Welcome to the True Face Podcast, where we'll have conversations about what we can learn from what's going on in our lives. My name's Robbie Engel, and I will be your guide as we learn how to increase trust and experience grace. Let's jump into this week's conversation. I am excited to introduce an old friend who I haven't seen in a while, Gerald Fatayomi. What's up, man? Welcome to the True Face Podcast. How are you? Come on, Robbie. It's good to see you, man. I'm doing great. So, Gerald, when did you leave North Point Ministries? How long ago was it? You were on staff there with me. We kind of saw each other all around meetings, and I worked with your wife a little bit more. I worked with Kylie more at North Point, but when did you leave staff at North Point? Yeah, it's about two years now, a little okay. over two years. Yeah. Crazy. It's been about a year for me, and, and Kylie and I were at North Point. She was always trying to tap me for kids' stuff to come up on stage because she was needing get people to help, and I was like, nah, Kylie, I'm good. Well, when you have eight kids, you're kind of a primary target to be asked to do anything kid-related. Man, I'm like, <laughs> I got to watch these kids. Don't be putting me up on stage. I'm not a stage guy. You know that, Kylie. Don't give me a microphone. Um, so catch, catch me up. What's been going on, man. It's a, your life has looked crazy the past couple of years in particular the past six months. All of our lives have been crazy the past six months, but yeah. you got some, you got some stuff going on, man. Yeah, man. It was, it was kind of nuts. So I had this cabin experience with some friends. We all went up and prayed together and felt like I had to leave North point, even though I really didn't want to at mm. that season. Um, and so I made the decision to leave. From there, we launched a conference for college and young adults and had about 600 people show up. In January of the year that I left, it literally didn't exist. We didn't have a website and wow. an LLC, nothing. And by October, we were running 600 strong. So that was nuts and took a lot of time. Uh, my wife and I got pregnant in that time, had identical twin baby girls in the last two years. We bought our first home. We bought a new car. I mean, people say like, like one major change a year, if that, we had like all of our major change in two years. Yep. <laughs> so we're we're running on fumes a little bit right now, but life is good. So for for people that don't know, uh, we have a connection. My sister-in-law, Tiffany Thompson, works yeah. with you. And so she was over at dinner last night for Titus's fifth birthday. And I was like, how solid is Gerald? Well, what do you think? You work with him. You see him in his good and bad. And she was like, he's solid. So- that's that's the credibility you need. Tiffany gave you the thumbs up, man. She's enjoyed working with you. Tiffany keeps my life in order. That's for sure. <laughs> I'd be a hot mess without her. She keeps our family's life in order too, as a sister-in-law. She also keeps my attire in order. Every birthday, every Christmas, I say, "Hey, just just like be that secret shopper for me and help a brother-in-law out." So she got oh, me yeah. shoes for Christmas. She's like, "You need some crisper, nice work shoes and." Always gets me a couple shirts that just, it's my war, new wardrobe. Thank you, Tiffany. Come on. Come so on. if you haven't used her for that, that's a, you know, just a little tip for you. Done. I'm making a note right now. <laughs> that's what's up. So uh, on this True Face podcast, as you know, uh, we have a guest to share a story from their life. And then we just talk about what you've learned from that story. Uh, yeah. So I'd love for you to share something that you want to share with the tribe, the True Face tribe of what's happened, what's gone on in your life. Yeah. So, uh, you know, I mentioned that we had identical twin baby girls. There's a lot more to the story than that. So 
uh, I'll go backwards a little bit. I mentioned I, I went to a prayer cabin and made the decision to leave North Point. Um, that cabin has become significant in our family's uh, kind of life over the last couple of years. My wife and I, after that experience, went back up to the cabin together, just the two of us, and prayed um, and spent three days in this cabin praying together. Mm. And she wrote in her journal her prayer for identical twins, right? Um, Were you all just praying or doing other things locked up for three days in a cabin? To work you know, let's let's just say we prayed for identical twins and then we had them. So you can do the Man. math. <laughs> I don't know if that's prayer or just biology, but that's a different conversation. I'll... Yeah. <laughs> so uh, so we go up to the cabin. We, you know, we have this prayer and we've both like been over the moon excited about having twins. A little bit of backstory for me as well. Um, my mom went to jail my junior year in high school and my dad left when I was in the third grade. And so having an absent father being a present dad has been like the thing for me. I want my girls to know without a shadow of a doubt, dad loves them. That's here for me. If anything ever goes wrong, I know who to turn to, but also that they know I'm their biggest fan, their biggest cheerleader. And so being with them from the very beginning has been so important to me. Well, obviously everything happening with coronavirus um, has kind of, kind of put a dent in that story a little bit for us. I was out of town on a work trip. I come back in town the Friday that everything blows up with coronavirus. And I'm thinking like, I'm in the clear, I've made it, we're good. I don't have anything else scheduled until like June. Um, and so I'm gonna be at home for three months with the girls, this is amazing. And two days after I get home, so that Monday, we take the girls to a doctor's appointment. They do a temperature te uh, test on me and I'm good. So I'm like, I'm definitely in the clear. Monday night, I go down hard. Mm. And I don't know where it came from, but I have all of the symptoms for COVID. Uh, I'm feeling pretty terrible. So I drive down to the ER. I have the coronavirus test taken. These are the early tests because it just come out. Um, and they say it's going to be 48 hours before I get my results back. So I'm like, okay, be fine. I'll quarantine for 48 hours. I come back home. Now, mind you, my wife has been on bed rest for seven or for three months at this point. How far so, along was she? She's seven and a half months pregnant. On bed rest for three months. On bed rest for three months. Wow. And so she hasn't been able to do anything around the house. Like I'm literally doing everything for her. Well, now I come back with uh, potentially COVID, have, having waiting for a pending test. I have to quarantine into our guest bedroom. And so for the first time in three months, she's moving around the house. She's trying to make meals for me, make meals for herself. Um, and all of that kind of increased the stress and the pressure on her. So she starts feeling really terrible. She thinks it's COVID symptoms. And so she drives down to the hospital on that Wednesday um, to go be tested for COVID. And when she gets there, the doctor lets her know that we're about an hour away from our twins entering the world. She's 90% effaced. Wow. Right. Uh, and so I'm in the guest bedroom of our house. I literally throw on the first thing I can find. I drive down to the hospital to try to be with my wife so that I can be there for the delivery of my girls. And when I get to the hospital, I get a call from infectious disease telling me that um, because I have a pending COVID test, I cannot go into the hospital at all. And so I lose it in the parking lot. I'm crying on the phone. The, the infectious disease nurse is crying with me. Her name's Janet. And this is like a super sweet, but also awkward moment, like this beautiful picture of humanity that she's like breaking with me as I'm breaking, mm -hmm. but also like I'm on the phone crying with some random person I've never met before. And so it's super awkward. Uh, but I get off the phone and I drive back home. I call my mom and her mom and say, hey, can y'all get down there? Whoever can get there first is going to be the person who goes in with her. We're at this point, like 30 minutes away. So somebody needs to get there quickly. Um, and so my mom gets there first, I get back home, I'm in my backyard, and I find out that my girls are born uh, in the backyard of my house, which was 
obviously not the picture that I had in mind, especially because like I mentioned, being with my girls from the very beginning is so important to me, right? Like my dad wasn't in the hospital when I was born. Mm. So I wanted to, to start off on the right foot and, and have that experience. Um, so yeah, they're born, uh, you know, they, they're born, they're doing great. They're born at 4.7 uh, pounds and 3.9 pounds. So preemie for sure. Um, the first two days of their life, my wife and I don't see them at all. Um, that Friday, we get a call from the hospital telling us that both of our test results are negative for COVID, so we can actually meet our girls. And so we meet them for two days, and then two days later, we get another call from the hospital telling us that the NICU where they are is shut down because of COVID, and uh, it would be another three weeks before we're able to see our girls again. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, so the first month of their life, we saw them for four days. Super, super difficult season, um, but now they're home. Uh, they, they, we saw them on Easter Sunday and then they came home a week later. And so now they're home. They're three and a half months, almost four months now. They're doing so great. They're eating, they're growing. Um, they went from like super easy to pick up to now I'm like, oh my gosh, my back, like what is happening to me? You know? So, uh, so yeah, man, this, this year has been a crazy year, um, for us that, that season was one of the hardest seasons of our life. Um, but we learned so much in the process, you know, what Tell me what that looked like. What were you learning? I can't imagine all those variables and your history, your experience, your expectations. First kids, not only first, but twins in the NICU with the roller coaster of NICU. Our first twins were weighed about the same as that, and they were in the NICU for three months. And that roller coaster emotionally and the the angst was so compounded when we couldn't be there because they were born in Salt. They were born in Utah. We were yeah. in North Carolina. My wife stayed there the whole time. I was flying back and forth because I was going to get let go. And the weeks at home to not be present with them, mm-hmm. to to alleviate some of the roller coaster of the NICU life, which until you go through NICU life, man, those phone calls and the ups and downs and the, the is just such a roller coaster. I can't imagine not being able to see them. And with all those other uncertainties, uh, to unpack for us, what did you and Kylie learn? Like, what did God do in your heart during that time? What did he teach you? Yeah, so I had this moment when they were born. Um, I'm standing in my backyard, and I'm devastated that I can't be there. And I have this vulnerable, authentic moment where I just scream at God, mm. and I'm weeping and just yelling at him, asking him to help, to do something, asking him how we ended up in this in this circumstance, like, everything about our life was tracking in the right direction. And so this this kind of threw a random curveball that we didn't see coming. And in the silence after I'd finished screaming, I felt like God reminded me of this sermon that I'd preached two years before um, on the life of Joseph. And I talked about the adversity that Joseph walked through and the way that he responded to adversity and kind of some questions that I felt like were good questions for us to be asking. Because what most of us tend to do, and this was the question I was asking in the backyard, when we go through something really difficult, we ask the question, why? Like, why is this happening to me? Why now? Why us? Why me? You know, that that question, that question's never really helpful. It doesn't really lead to anywhere positive. Um, if anything, it, it often leads to more questions. And so um, I'm sitting in the backyard and God reminds me of the sermon I preached two years before. And so I dig it back out and I'm reading through it. And I felt like I, this was the feeling that I had as I was reading through the sermon. You can preach this is true. You can teach people this is true. You have a choice. Are you going to live like this is true? Mm. And uh, we made a decision in that moment that even though this was the hardest season of our life, that we were going to grow from it and we we're going to learn from it and we we're going to allow God to use it. Um, and so really a few things that came out of it. One, 
um, we had to learn really quickly to identify what's in our control and what's not hmm. and to choose to release the things that are not in our control to God and then to do the things that are in our control. And, um, you know, in this circumstance, there was a lot that wasn't, but there were some things that were like our house wasn't finished yet. We had just moved into our new house. We we're renovating. Um, and so there were some projects that I could still finish around the house. Um, we could be intentional to use the time to grow closely together. And so we ordered some random games off of Amazon and we started playing Battleship on the couch together and trying to find moments to laugh. And we'd go for walks every day um, as my wife recovered. And so just trying to identify what are the things that are in our control mm-hmm. and the things that aren't, let's give those to God and say, you got it. We trust you. But then let's do the things that we can. Um, the other thing that we wanted to do was grow as a result of this. And so we knew that the best way to grow was to lean in the community and to allow some people to speak truth in us, but to also hold us accountable to who we wanted to be on the other side of this. And so we both had some really great friends who invested in us, who poured into us, who uh, cried with us, who prayed with us, who you know told us that this wasn't the end of the story and who just challenged us to continue to grow. Um, and then lastly, I think the biggest thing for us, and my wife is so much better at this than I am, is we decided we were going to let God use this season for the benefit of someone else. And so uh, there was a moment I was sitting on the couch and, you know, if you've ever had kids, you know how this works. There's a meal train thing that people do where they send meals to your house. And with COVID, the nurses and the doctors told us like, hey, do not have home cooked meals delivered to your house at all. It'll put you at risk. Um, And then honestly, we would suggest not eating out from restaurants. It's probably safer, but like just Mm. don't order in from restaurants. And so every person who offered a meal, we'd just say no. Like, hey, thanks so much for offering, but we can't take meals right now, you know. Um, And halfway through that that time that we were at home those three weeks, Kylie looked at me and she goes, why don't we stop saying no? And why don't we just say yes for someone else? And Mm. so we decided that every person that asked, we'd we'd say, hey, don't provide a meal for us, but would you provide meals for the nurses in the NICU? Mm. Um, There's 30 nurses on the floor. And so we asked all of our friends to do that. And in about a week, we were able to provide nine days worth of lunches for every not only nurse, but nurse, doctor, and janitorial staff um, at the hospital for nine days leading up to Easter. And so every day they would get lunch delivered by someone. Um, and one of the days, one of the nurse called and just was like, Hey, what do y'all do that? Like allows you to pay for nine days worth of lunch for like 50 people. And we're like, Hey, that's definitely not us. Like we're, I'm a pastor. We have no money. (laughs) That's not what it is. And she was like, okay, but like how? And my wife goes, oh, well, it's like our community. She goes, well, what community are you a part of? She's like, oh, you know, we're Christians and we go to church and, you know, all of our friends are Christians. And so we just asked if it would help. And she was like, okay, but, but like, what church do you go to? Because whatever community that is, I need to be a part of that, right? And so I don't know if she ever came to our church. I don't know if she ever will. But what I do know is she could have never asked that question if my wife had never asked the question, hey, who can we help because of what we're going through? And so that's kind of the way we processed it. Those are some of the things we've learned. Like, we are going to be better as a result of this. Adversity can either make you worse or better. And we just chose we're going to be better on the other side. Man, uh so this podcast is unfortunately not four hours long because I have a lot <laughs> of questions and a lot to unpack. Uh, that that to start on the first thing you talked about that control thing. Um, I've been thinking a lot about that and and the connection between control and fear and trust. And you tied yeah. it together so well of saying, you know, those emotions that you felt of going, God, what is going on? And the authenticity of that relationship with the father that you had that pretty real conversation with him. Um, 
what was the emotion underlying that for you? Can, did you put words to how you felt that led to that? God, what in the world is going on? Yeah, I think it was, if I, if I could pick two emotions, I'd say anger and disappointment gotcha. and probably more disappointment than anger. Um, I wasn't angry at God really. Cause I've been through so much in my life that like, I don't really blame God for things anymore. I, I blame, blame the brokenness of the world that we live in, you know? So I'm not like, Oh God, like, why did you do this? I'm more like, why does this have to keep happening? Like, why is our world so broken that this continues to be parts of people's story that things just don't go the way they expect and beautiful moments end up being broken moments. Like, I don't understand why that continues to happen. Um, but then definitely disappointment and the feeling of, man, I want to break the generational curses in my family. And I think I, I still believe that I can, right? Like, I'm not, I'm not one to go, oh, well, I missed the birth of my kid's life, so I'm going to be a sucky dad. Like, that's not what I'm saying at all. Yeah. Um, but that moment was significant. So I was disappointed for sure. And that led to an emotionality of anger and disappointment and then uh, settling in of going, wait, I cannot control this. And therefore, even though I want to and I try to, and if I, I want to control this environment, I can't. I'm disappointed and angry about that. So I've got yeah. to trust you, God, and give that to you, God. And that shift yeah. happened in that conversation. Yeah, definitely. It happened there. But I think the other thing that I've been learning in this, right, is like to say God is in control is a true statement. But I think that statement in and of itself can lead, lead to a very passive faith, right? And if you look yeah. through the story of scripture, God is always in control. He's sovereign, but he also always invites us to be a part of the story, right? Like from the beginning, from the garden through Exodus, like there's always an invitation to be a part of the story. And so, yes, God is in control, but there are also things that I can control. And so it was less about like just going, okay, God, you got this, but it was more going, hey, what things am I trying to own that you're supposed to be owning? Yep. And then what are the things that I'm actually supposed to own that I'm not taking responsibility for right now? Yep. And I'm going to go run after those and then trust you with the things that I can do nothing about because you got it, you know? So it was, it was more of a, an organization of control rather than just like a complete release. If that yep. makes sense. Oh yeah. Well, it, I, and from your story and as, as well in my own life, it is a lot of us have the assumption that it's passive to trust God and release to God things like control. That yeah. is by far the hardest thing for me. It's the opposite of passivity to really trust God with the control of something because I want to control it. That's why I'm so disappointed and angry because I want to control it. That's safer. It's in my capacity. That's why trust is such an active um, expression of our heart and our mind and our faith that we we don't talk about enough I think of how active trust is and with trusting God with those things you can't control trusting God with the things you can control looked very uh, engaging you said responsibility for what yeah. you can do in love and how cool that uh, Kylie and you said how can we who can we love and how can we serve others in this time of brokenness that's amazing because it would have been all about me if I was in your shoes. I'd be like, yeah, come bring me stuff. The fact that, well, it, it sounds like it was Kylie and we was, know I was gonna better say, habits. <laughs> I, I'm right there with you. It was definitely Kylie who's like, wait, 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 time out. Wait a minute. Okay, it's not about us. Let's let's take our blinders off for a moment. I'm like, gosh, who did I marry? <laughs> I don't know how I do this. But. but in the giving and receiving of love and needs being met, you talked about the second thing that you learned out of as the value of community. You leaned yeah. in and let your community speak truth into your lives and love you guys. And in turn, your cup was full enough that at least Kylie was overflowing that to love other people. 
that's yeah. such a beautiful holistic image of y'all receiving love in community the way God's designed it and loving others out of that and even even uh, in those times of difficulty. Yeah, I, we need to hang out more. I want to be like no. you when I grow up, no, or at least Kylie. Like hey, man, <laughs> I uh, I'm so excited for you and Kylie. Twins, we have two sets, and it's a beautiful thing, man. It's intense for a couple years, but then it's like once you survive the first couple years, then they're playing together. They have the lifelong best friend. Well, sometimes my boys, I encourage them every day. Your best friends stop fighting, <laughs> but, uh, man, I'm so excited for you guys and they're home. Now you got two beautiful, healthy girls. Yeah. Nothing yeah. better, man. Come on. Um, all right. So I have not started reading, but it just came out when life yep. gives you lemons. I cannot wait to read this one. Uh, when did you launch this book? Yes, yeah, so the book came out on July 15th. Um, it was not a traditional process. So if you've ever written or if you're a writer and you're listening, you know, writing a book takes, I mean, it can take years at time. Um, this was like a, I'm in the middle of it and writing is therapeutic for me. So I'm going to get some of these thoughts out of my brain. And as I started writing, I was like, gosh, maybe what we learned in this could be helpful to someone else. So two and a half months later, I'd written the book, When Life Gives You Lemons. As you read it, you'll realize really quickly, most of the story that I just shared is the basis for the book. Come on. Um, and the three things that we learned are the questions that are in the book to kind of guide us all towards being able to make lemonade out of the lemons of our life. And so, yeah, that's the book, Three Must-Ask Questions for Navigating Seasons of Adversity, ones like we're all in right now. I love it. I'm excited about it, man. I'm going to pick it up. Um, is it on Audible or Amazon or where, where can I get it? Yep. So it's, uh, it's not in audible form yet, but it's available in ebook and print form on Amazon, really wherever books are sold, you can get it there. Okay. Um, and yeah, man, it's a quick read. I mean, most people finish it in two or three days and there's questions and activities to kind of help you process and some of the questions that we asked ourselves as well. So love it. Um, all right. We wrap up these podcasts with a couple of questions. What is life life giving to you right now? So what's filling up your heart? What's something that you're getting life out of and what are you learning? Yeah, so two things that are life-giving to me. Um, one is my grill right now. Come on, am, what you got? I am, love it. It's Dude, it's not even anything special. It's just a regular gas grill. But I am out there cooking up a storm every day, and I'm nice. loving it right now. Nice. Um, so that's one. Two is, is this is not a plug at all because I don't even know this person, but it's been life-giving to me. Theosu was created by this guy named Nathan Finocchio, who's a Hillsong guy. Um, but it's basically like seminary level theology classes, but like in video masterclass form. And I'm just loving digging into some of those videos right now. So literally when we finish this, pod this podcast, I'm going to go watch a couple. That's awesome. So that's, is that what you're learning or, and it's also live given. Yeah. Yeah. I guess, I guess that's both. <laughs> Anything else you're learning? So what was that again? DSU? Theos. 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 Theos yeah, you. Gotcha. Yeah, it's 11 bucks. It's like Netflix for theology. It's 11 bucks a month, and it's pretty awesome. What's uh, what's the best Netflix thing? Since you already gave the what you're learning, what are you, what are you watching? We'll, on Netflix? we'll mix it up, yeah. We're all watching Netflix. We're all, we're all uh, stuck at uh, home still. Have you seen All American? No. Dude, it's going to wreck your life. All American? All American. It's so good. <laughs> it's, gonna, it's going to – you will not get work done for the next, like, two weeks. All right. Better than a uh, Joe Exotic or Tiger, way better, Tiger way, King. But that was garbage. This is way. I mean, you eh, trust me. All American. I wouldn't call it garbage, Gerald. Uh. Um, <laughs> dude, 
this was so much fun. Y'all go check out Gerald. Uh, Life gives you lemons. Uh, welcome to the parenting game times two. You're in it. Uh, it is so fun to see your face, even if it's over Zoom right here for this call. Guys, if you are listening and appreciate this podcast, please uh, help us out. Be part of the True Face tribe and share it with a friend. Give it five stars. Subscribe to it. And thanks for being with us on this journey to increase trust and experience grace. See you, Gerald. Bye, guys.